Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to Scoop Radio. What's going on? I hope wherever you're listening from, you and your loved ones are safe during this COVID-19 period. Hey, this is the producer of Scoopy Radio, DJ Manio. I would just like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod. We did record numbers last month. So on behalf of Scoopy and myself, thank you for the four years of supporting Brandon on his media journey. If you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to scoopyradio.com slash poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's scoopbradio.com slash poll. S-C-O-O-P, the letter B, R-A-D-I-O dot com slash P-O-L-L. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. The link will be in the description. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brandon Robinson. Let's get to our guest. Scoopy Robinson. Let's see what he thinks of Florida. He is a senior writer for Heavy.com. Host of the Scoopy Radio podcast. He is a contributor on Fox, MSNBC, and ESPN, and he's making a second appearance here on the Causeway Street podcast. He is Brandon Scoopy Robinson. What's going on, Scoop? Welcome back to Causeway Street. Man, glad to be back like I never left. Thanks for having me. It's been an interesting three and a half months, to say the least, right? And <laughs> with everything that's been going on, with the, the, the planning of all major sports leagues, so obviously we're going to talk about the NBA here. And the fact that their restart plan is is literally right around the corner. So, I mean, today uh, we're recording this podcast on a Friday. So the leagues, you know, sent out a statement about the 16 out of the 302 players have tested positive for the coronavirus. Plus, they have released their, you know, 22 team format plan once again, just to reiterate everything, including the play in tournament, the playoff seating. And it seems like it's going to happen. So what are you hearing in terms of like the Disney World bubble and the, you know, the season actually resuming despite the spike in uh, COVID-19 cases in the state of Florida? I mean, the governor earlier today already closed all bars and put in place other measures after the state nearly hit 9,000 new cases in one day. So should the league reconsider heading to Orlando next month or find a new location? What are you hearing? What are the rumblings that you're hearing? I mean, so in the first part of your question, you asked if, um, you know, what do I think about it? I believe the answer is... Me personally, um, I think that the numbers are high 
um, in, in Florida, in the state of Florida. And I think, you know, but I think also um, when the NBA comes to town, it's like the president comes to town, they shut down everything. It's literally like that scene in Coming to America when, when King Joffrey Joffre comes out and he's got the bed of roses, <laughs> they're sprinkled on the ground. You hear the da 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 but no, and also it's like I think I think at the end of the day, uh, I think there the NBA stands to lose two million dollars, or excuse me, two billion dollars. That's a lot. It's a big difference between two million, two billion, two billion dollars. Um, you know, if they don't resume their season, and the other thing is, you know, they're trying to recoup the television money. I mean, think about it. So I know that if they play seven, at least seventy games within the contract, they recoup the rest of the money um, that they did not receive. So they, you know, that's why. I think they've kind of covered themselves with the preseason, you know, play-in situation where, you know, teams will have played 70 games, you know, so you, you, you look at it from that perspective. So, okay, say things get worse and a lot of people get sick, then, you know, they'll still get their money and they can go home. But I think, you know, there's nothing in a collective bargaining that states that you can't just automatically crown a champion and then the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, who have won the most games, you know, in the regular season. But um, I also just think that I think anything that's new, you know, it comes with much resistance. And so, you know, with that being said, I think, um, I don't know, I think with the NBA, I think there's a, I think what's understated is that there are a lot of people who actually do want to play. <laughs> the person I can think of off the top of my head is LeBron James. You know, he wants to win that championship and more. But there are a group of guys who, you know, who, who, who don't want to play. You know, you look at Kyrie Irving, Former Celtic, now you're a Boston market, you know, for example, who, you know, now I remember the Brooklyn Nets who, you know, was on that conference call and, you know, Avery Bradley, if I'm not mistaken, was a former Celtic as well. Um, and, you know, there, what I can tell you is just in my conversation, they, they are on one accord as you saw Avery Bradley pull out and, you know, Kyrie Irving is injured. He has the choice whether he wants to go or not. But there are a lot of players who have voice, you know, that they don't want to play, you know, younger guys who, you know, don't want to play, but, you know, that was what that conference call was about, you know, finding alternate measures. Uh, Chris Paul was on that call. There were about, you know, 79 or 80 other people on that call, both from the WNBA and the NBA. But I, I'll tell you, man, I think um, some people say that it, basketball is like, um, you know, or rather the, the, the COVID-19 um, is kind of like, a, a, a you know, hurting your ankle a little bit. You know, it's, I think it's more the shock of getting it than, you know, actually – you know, dealing with it, you know. So you haven't seen any cases in the NBA where, you know, individuals have died from it. Um, you know, I know two people, you know, in the NBA family who have had it and, you know, they're dealing with it. You know, I know Isaiah Thomas, NBA Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas, I had his, his daughter on my podcast and, you know, she she was diagnosed with it early on and she talked about what it was like rehabbing with it. And things like so it's just a lot going on. And I think, you know, the NBA has been trying to be steadfast and, you know, trying to get guys to play and, um, you know, they have the choice if they don't want to play, they don't have to show up and they'll still get paid. I think that's their out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, 16 players in, in less than a week testing positive for the coronavirus, that's a lot. I mean, do you see that number, you know, going going up as, we, as we're approaching closer to, you know, the target data for these teams to arrive in, in, in Orlando? Yeah, I do. I think particularly because you don't know where everybody's come from. Um, you know, you, you have cases like Nikola Jokic uh, of, of the Denver Nuggets who, you know, had it and, you know, he was around, uh, 
Jokovic, uh, the, the tennis player, and they were all in a similar space. And you look at guys like Buddy Heald uh, of, uh, of the Sacramento Kings, who you know has played and picked up games in Oklahoma City. You know, I, I knew a couple people who were in attendance in that game, and they said Buddy looked great. You know, but you worry about just those close quarters and guys coming together and playing. Could the same thing happen? Like Jokic, you play not, you know, but you just don't know. And then look, does Nike find a way to create mass as a marketing ploy for guys? And, that becomes the new sleeve, like the arm sleeve. You know, guys have face masks. That's the new thing. You know, most people don't know this. Alan Iverson was the first guy in the NBA that was wearing arm sleeves. He actually wore it, you know, because he had bursitis on his on his elbow. Many people thought it was because he was covering up his tattoos. Um, so, you know, could a face mask be a new accessory in the NBA? It's like tights are. It'll be interesting to see. But, um, you know, I, I think when you look at the, 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 the numbers potentially spiking, yeah, man, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, just because you're in close quarters, you're all in an Epcot-type bubble and um, or what's perceived to be a bubble. I think it's interesting, just, to, you know, not, not trying to be political, but I find it interesting that, you know, early on in, in the president's campaign, he was talking about build a wall. And, you know, now the bubble, wall and bubble are are, 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 are key words or coin terms that are being used and in our minds. You know, we fathom what that is in our mind, what it is like, is there actually a bubble or is it just called a bubble? You know, yeah, I think those yeah. things are so interesting. You, you think of Epcot Center, you think of like movies like Men in Black and, and, and things of that sort, like is there actually a bubble? But I, I think you're enclosing NBA guys from all walks of life, different countries, different cities, um, and they all have to play basketball. Then you have the issue with the coaches. You know, guys like who are over the age of 65, Greg Popovich, Alvin Gentry, and, and Dan you, know, you, you, Mike Dantoni, thank you. I haven't had my afternoon coffee. Um, but <laughs> but when, you, when you look at all of those, those guys just encapsulated in one, how do they respond to that? Like, I don't mean to make light of it, but the way that coronavirus has been discussed, it reminds me so much of, you know, my childhood when, when Magic Johnson uh, came up HIV positive and, you know, there were players – who didn't want to play against Magic because yeah. they thought that they were going to get it. And, um, you know, and they called it the, the gay man's virus without having enough information to support that theory. Exactly. And I think we're in a similar but different situation with coronavirus. Like, we don't know. We're still figuring a lot out. And um, I think, you know, if there's a cure and or a vaccine, I think that's a whole nother topic, you know, yeah. um, that we're trying to figure out. So it's just a lot to, to, to dissect in, in a little bit of time. Yeah, I mean, if if this turns out to go, you know, further south in terms of more players and more team staff or coaches that do turn up testing positive for the coronavirus, do you think the NBA has a plan B, and should they? Yeah, to me, it seems that their plan B is simply to just for other teams to sign other players. Like I've had conversations with you know players who are not exactly retired, but they haven't signed their paperwork for retirement that have told me they're keeping their options open in that regard, that there's an interest in actually playing. Um, and I think that, you know, this kind of gives certain players a new life. But I also just think um, there, should, there are some red flags. You look at the state of Florida. Um, you look at, you know, the fact that their numbers have spiked exponentially. Then you look at, you know, for example, like um, my birthday was May 28th, and I remember George Floyd the death or the murder of George Floyd happened soon thereafter. Yeah. And just seeing people in response protesting all across the world, not just the U.S., not just um, Minnesota, not just 
you know, like literally like throughout the world. Barclays yeah. Center, people protesting every day. Yeah. Um, in Boston, every day. Jalen Brown, the Celtic, going to Atlanta to protest. And so naturally, those numbers are going to go up. What I'm interested to see in that, you know, in that, in, in that causation is, is the quantitative, you know, data to, 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 to support, you know, how the, I guess the correlation between the people who are out there protesting and the effect of those numbers. And also places like, and I don't like to blame Chicago, but it's been used as an example. Places like Chicago where people have, you know, have parties and without masks on. Like, it's just like, you know, to me, a mask is not just, it's an inconvenience for many, but you, you're protecting yourself and others around you. And so I, I think there are so many different factors that go into this. I worry about people's health in the long term, not just whether a season is being played or not. Well, I listened to both of your interviews with Kendrick Perkins and Ryan Hollins, you know, two former Celtics mm-hmm. teammates who were on the opposite side when it came to uh, Kyrie Irving calling for a boycott of the NBA season in Orlando. Did he have an argument or did it have to take someone like A.B. Bradley to further explain what the current social unrest in the country and when it comes to, you know, racial injustice, is it bigger than basketball? Yeah, I think it is bigger than basketball. Um, and I think that when you think about people's attention spans, I think when you look at George Floyd and what happened, Scoop it took a coronavirus radio. pandemic to get many people's attention. It wasn't like a situation where in, in past where people could look at video and then say, you know, this guy was resisting arrest. And I, and I look at Twitter comments sometimes and people will make a statement that, you know, well, George Floyd did time in jail. So almost trying to find validation and a reasoning for what a cop did, because in that moment, I doubt that a police officer looked in the computer to see whether he had a record or not. So to me, that's not valid. You know, and I think that way of thinking is the reason why there are so many injustices in today's society. And so, so to directly answer your question about the social justice and more, you look at the NBA, it's predominantly African-American. Um, there are a lot of people in the, in, the, in the NBA that look like George Floyd. In fact, there's a lot of people in the NBA that are connected to George Floyd in some way, as you saw with Stephen Jackson. You know, so with that being said, Kyrie's logic is, okay, people need to be entertained. If they're being entertained, that takes the attention away from the topic at hand, which is social justice, which is issues of police brutality, issues of where, you know, the, the term Karens, where you talk about particular, you know, demographic of white women who call the police on black men and, and, and Hispanic men and, and other minorities based upon their level of uncomfortability. Um, you know, that logic is from Kyrie and from Avery Bradley. You know, this is a time to get people's attention, to get what you want. You know, I'd be I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that, you know, I have friends who are African-American who work in a predominantly white office and, you know, they do get, you know, apologies or, you know, text messages of concern from, you know, their, their colleagues and you know, their employers. And, you know, the, the conversation could be now is the time to get what you want within the workplace based upon, you know, that level of remorse that people feel, you know. So, you know, when you look back at history with African-Americans, you know, there are many African-Americans who feel as though, you know, when 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 the slaves were set free, they were promised 40 acres of mule, and they never received it. And when you look at African-Americans in this society, it, it, it some, in some ways, this feels like a seminal moment, uh, not comparing, but just how I see it, um, where you look at Native Americans and, you know, some of the things that they received after, you know, the world admitting, or the U.S. in particular admitting wrongdoing in a land that, you know, already existed. I think for somebody like Avery Bradley, to, to your direct question, 
I think represents somebody who's a little bit more level-headed and respected uh, publicly. Um, and I think oftentimes with Kyrie Irving, I think people take the world as flat comment and run with it. You know, something that was told in a joke that, you know, once it's said and once it goes viral, everybody perceives it and sees it differently. Um, but, you know, it's been expressed to me that Kyrie and Avery Johnson, excuse me, Avery Bradley, uh, we're, we're, we're on one accord, you know, from the beginning, um, you know, and, 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 and there's a feeling that there was a level of divisiveness where people try to divide their points of view. Kyrie Irving and Avery Bradley both share a similar sentiment, you know, and I think as it relates to Kendrick Perkins, you know, he admitted this on the Scoopy Radio podcast. His only regret is, you know, that he made the comment about Kyrie Irving. If you put a bird, if you put his brain in a bird, he's yeah, yeah. fly backwards. Um, you know, that, that comment for many, it felt, um, it felt divisive, even though he's in a position where he's just stated his opinion. Um, I think oftentimes, and that goes into a deeper sense with African Americans, um, how do you expect other races to respect you uh, when we ourselves don't always respect one another? Um, and, and I feel like when you, we air our dirty laundry out, you know, it's a residual effect. If other people don't respect you, or if you don't respect each other, how do you respect oneself? So I'm glad that, you know, Kendrick gave some clarity to that statement. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hoping to push that in the back burner and, and hopefully, you know, there's some sort of push for change. Not just for TV and social media, but actual real change. Yeah, I mean, I like what Amy Bradley had to say. I think touching upon what you said earlier. Yeah, I think he spoke very well in, in explaining, you know, his proposals or, or the Players Coalition proposals to the NBA. But, you know, I want to know what's your stance on social issues having a platform like the NBA? Well, I think, um, I guess that goes to the question, right? Do, do you, can you do both or do you have to do one or the other? Mm-hmm. Um, my stance on that first was yes. Um, I think there needs to be a level of um, focus and pause on what's next. And I think it's an issue about health. I've used this example often. I think in the case of Kyrie Irving, it felt like a mini, you know, Colin Kaepernick moment in the sense of, you know, with Colin Kaepernick, was it about the flag or was it about police brutality? And then the same thing with Kyrie, is it about social justice or is it about coronavirus? Yeah. Um, and I think what happens is, particularly as it relates to that conference call, I said there's a bunch of other shows where I spoke to about three or four different people you know, who were on that conference call. And what happens is you got 80 people on that call, but it's only Kyrie Irving whose voice you're tweeting about and things that he said. So I think oftentimes when you're having these conversations, it would be like if I'm sitting on this, on this podcast with you now and you take one snippet of something that I said, like, if I said, you know, if I said jo- Joel is a jerk, everything else I said is known void. I don't think you're a jerk, by the way, but in that conversation where we're looking to build on something, that one quote about Joel is a, is a, is a jerk gets magnified versus the, the 20 to 30 other things that maybe he or someone else said. So I, I think you have to be very careful, to, particularly in today's 24-hour news coverage, where if those guys are working towards something, it doesn't get misquoted and misplaced. Because then it starts a whole different argument about something based upon aggregation and how things are framed. It'll be interesting going forward because, you know, Avery Bradley, he did say he's not going, but it's because of family health reasons, you know, concerns with his his oldest son who... uh, It's asymptomatic. Exactly. Mm -hmm. His son has a hard time recovering from respiratory illnesses. But he also said that he is going to put the time into what he was initially talking about with Kyrie Irving. So it'll be interesting to see how many other players who decide not to go for one reason or the other, 
going in that direction as well as, as Avery Bradley. So uh, let's switch gears up here a little bit. You know, assuming the season goes off without, without any hiccups on July 30th, who are your favorites in each conference and, and you know, any sleeper teams that you think could win this 22-team format? I mean, as you know, I've been pretty spot on or pretty much in the know as it relates to what's been going on with the Lakers over the last couple of years. Uh, minus Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard as it relates to Anthony <laughs> Davis and, you know, as it relates to just J.R. Smith and Le- LeBron himself coming um, and, and some other free agency signings I've, I've been on the, on the mark. And, you know, and, and talking to various members of the current Lakers team, what I can tell you is um, I think there's a, there's a zeal and there's a desire to really finish what they started. I mean, you look at the Lakers team who's in first place, you know, has literally gone from hiring a new coach, bringing in a new assistant coaching staff, um, bringing in, you know, dealing with LeBron's injury, uh, which was, you know, very underreported last season. Um, and, and, and the recovery time um, that it took, I think that the Lakers have, you know, grown leaps and bounds. And then, you know, adding other pieces, you dealt with the Marcus Cousins signing in and being hurt and then bringing in Dwight Howard and, Amy Riley and Danny Green, just a lot of different things. Um, one one Laker t- said to me, you know, where's the biggest first place underdog that I've ever seen? And, you know, I think, you know, with the Clippers, they've also gotten a ton of rest. Um, I think that it, throughout the course of the summer going into the season, many people believe that the NBA championship, or at least an appearance on the Western Conference side, will have to go through Los Angeles, meaning, albeit the, the, the Clippers or the Lakers. And, you know, it seems that that could still be the case. But I'll add, uh, with a ton of rest, I, I don't sleep on, nor should you, uh, the Portland Trailblazers, particularly because that team was a Western Conference Finals appearance last season against a, a more a more durable, you know, Golden State Warriors team. But one thing that has been, you know, Achilles heels for the Portland, Achilles heel, excuse me, for the Portland Trailblazers has been injuries. You know, you start the season, Damian Lillard hurt. You know, you, you had issues with use of Nurkic and being hurt from the season before and CJ McCollum at points being hurt. But, you know, along came a guy named Carmelo Anthony that everybody thought was damaged goods. And, you know, I think he solidified himself, number one in his first month as, you know, a Western Conference player uh, of, of, of the month in, in November, I believe. But, you know, what I'll add is um, a healthy Portland Trailblazers team is a dangerous Portland Trailblazers team. I think they match up well against the Lakers. Uh, I think that Rust did them very well, but they also got to get in the AC. You look at the Memphis Grizzlies, um, they're an AC, um, and they've they, they done very well in, in rookie John Morant. And, you know, I, I took some time to check out the, the Memphis Grizzlies back in February in a game against the 76ers, and was just amazed by it not just being John Morant who, you know, has, has, has done his thing. You know, Jaron Jackson, Jackson Jr. has been, you know, on the ball. Um, and, and there's other guys on that team who, who's played well. But, you know, I, I think the biggest threat in the, in the Western Conference to the Lakers um, is the Clippers. And, you know, runner up would probably be – and vice versa, I'll add. But I think vice versa. It, it would be the Blazers. I think they would just match up well. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think in the Eastern Conference, um, you look at the, the Milwaukee Bucks – Played well all season. Give it to them. I think that the Sixers uh, are a team, as well as the Boston Celtics, oh. both teams um, that that can be threats with rest. I've been impressed with Jalen Brown's play throughout the course of the season, uh, consistently, consistently consistent. Um, and he and I spoke back in December, and you know one of the things he said to me uh, was that basically, 
Um, he felt that, you know, Kimball Walker was in a great spot. Talked about how the two of them played USA on TV USA basketball together. And, you know, he really got a feel and a vibe and a respect for his game. Kimba coming in at his first year in Boston, getting the respect that, you know, I, I think he always deserved. New York player, close to New York and Boston, but, you know, all he knew was Charlotte other than playing in UConn and Stores, Connecticut. And so when I look at what, um, what Kimba Walker has done this season in year one, um, I think both the combination of he, Jalen Brown, as well uh, as Jason Tatum has been lights out fantastic. I- I'd like to see the Boston Celtics you know, really go deep and surprise a lot of people. And I think the reason why, you know, I mean, you, you think about it, just a couple of years ago, they were in the conference finals. You had Jason Tatum in year one going toe-to-toe with LeBron James, St. Louis's own, Jason, Jason Tatum going toe-to-toe. And I think, you know, when I, when I see how fearless he was against uh, LeBron James, it reminded me of that scene in Baby Boy. Uh, where, where I think you never see what I'm talking about. Where, where, where I think it was it was it was it was um, Jody and and, and uh, Omar Epps. Uh, no, it wasn't Omar Epps. It was it was um, Omar Gooding. We're standing in the park yeah. with those guys, yeah. and they all flinched at him. Yeah, yeah. And that one guy in the said, "Oh, you got heart. You got heart. He has heart, man." He goes, so he, goes, I, he goes, "Go ahead and tell us. Tell us you got heart." Oh shit! This nigga got heart. <laughs> it is him. You got heart again? You got heart, cuz. Go ahead and tell us. <laughs> <laughs> great scene, great scene. <laughs> right, so I, you know, Jason Tatum to me, man, I, I, I take my hat off to him. And, um, you know, I, I wish Boston well. I'm not just saying that because you're Boston based. I, I really have, you know, paid attention to Boston this season and, you know, I, I think that, that, that Martin Luther King game, game oh, yeah. uh, against the Lakers, I mean, Jalen Brown let Sweden ring that day, brother. He yeah. let Sweden ring. He did. And, uh, and there was no Kemba in that game. There was no Kemba in that game. There was no Kemba in that game. And, the, and, and, and it was Jalen Brown. It was, it was Jason Tatum going, you know, holding down the fort for most of that game. Yeah. And, and I'll say, like, in the regular season, you really, really saw Boston um, go toe-to-toe with, with Eastern Conference juggernauts. Early in the season, you saw Philadelphia matchups. You saw matchups against the Nets. You saw matchups against um, the Bucks. Just, just the Bucks. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, you, I think these are these were early previews to the conference, potential conference finals matchups. Now, I talked about Philadelphia. Philly's just dealt with injuries throughout the course of the season. I mean, you look at the beginning of the season. Legitimately, you had Joel Embiid whispers of. MVP conversations, you know, injuries have been in the kids' heels. And you look at Ben Simmons, injuries. And, then, you know, in games that, you know, you didn't think they'd win, they win. They beat the Clippers in the regular season in Philadelphia back in February. Um, and, and then, you know, they took care of business with teams they were supposed to, like Memphis, like Chicago, you know, at large and stuff like that, like Charlotte. So, you know, I, I think Philadelphia really just hasn't had time to really be cohesive. Like, you look at the training deadline. They brought in Glenn Robinson the third, you know, right before, well, right, right at the trading deadline. And uh, I talked to Glenn Robinson the third just about his mentality and his about his ability to kind of, you know, blend in with the 76ers. And he said, you know, my time in, in with the with the Golden State Warriors, even though we were losing, you know, I, I got time to sit and you know talk with with Draymond and just pick his brain and you know sit and talk with Steph Curry and learn things from him. I mean, this is a guy. 
and Glenn Robinson the third, who's a second generation basketball player, his dad was a legend. And you know, Glenn Robinson in his own right slam dunk contest. And I point Glenn asked him like, "Hey man, you you've been a slam dunk champion. I mean this respectfully, but like, how do you go from your, go to your next act from being a slam dunk champion, things kind of being quiet to finding your next act? And I think Philly is a great fit for." But I also still think they're missing a piece, and I think Jamal Crawford would do them very well. Um, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, Milwaukee is a team, you know, that, that's done well in the regular season. But we've seen times before where the Boston Celtics were, were, were first seeds, and, you know, during the Isaiah Thomas era of, of, of basketball, and Cleveland came in and took care of business. So just because Milwaukee is a first seed doesn't mean they can't be beaten. I think a team like Boston or Philadelphia – who may be underestimated for going and make some moves. Nice, nice. Now, I'd be remiss not to, you know, send you out of here with this final question. Uh, who's your league MVP? LeBron James. Okay, okay. I like that answer because I, I feel like I'm one of the few that, that really believe that he is a league MVP. And I get it, you know, Ante the Kumpo is having a, a great season, probably a better season than he had last year. But all things considered with LeBron James, everything that he's been through over the last year, year and a half, and, and to have the Lakers at the at the top of the Western Conference, and, and and at the age that he's still playing at a very very high level, and I still believe that he's the best player in the league right now, and I think he he is a league MVP. But it's gonna boil down to I think with kind of similar to what happened last year when in terms of record, because I know it's a regular season award. So I think it's probably gonna go down to the Kumpo, but I think it should go to LeBron James. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think any pick you make is the best. But listen, man, I talked about reparations uh, a while ago as it relates to civil rights. Listen, man, they got to give LeBron his MVP reparations for how they, they, they cheated him out of a couple years ago when they gave it to James Harden. <laughs> I mean, he wants to show you a meal now and he, and, and at 35. So yeah. they need to give it to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a that's a tough pill to swallow. I see I see I see where you're coming from on that one, yo. <laughs> Word. Yeah. Yes, sir. He is Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. And make sure to subscribe to his Scoop B Radio podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also follow him on Twitter at Scoop B as he continues to do his thing. Scoop, hey man, thanks for stopping by. And I hope we talk again real soon, man. My brother, thank you for the opportunity to be myself. You already know, my brother. Keep doing your thing and and, and be safe out there, all right? You too, my brother. I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. This is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Kaboom! Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 
My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.